You guys are a little more, I'm not apparently, you're a little more awake this service. That's good. Um, let me start with uh, just by praying. Uh, Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for three years. I thank you for the last three hours. I thank you for um, everything that you've poured into this place and into this family, Lord. And I just um, ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and be our teacher. Show us something new from your scriptures. Um, show us uh, new revelation and new truth. Um, impart to us something that we didn't have before we walked in here this morning, God. Um, we celebrate you, um, and we look and we fix our eyes on you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, well, as Corey already said, we do a lot of weird things to remember. Have you ever noticed that? We do a lot of strange and different things to remember, like moments, um, trips, family things in our lives. I remember when we first um, got married, I, I opened up a, a big heavy book that, that we had, and in it there was a bunch of like crushed old flowers, right? And I opened it up, and I'm like, what are these? And Corey's like, those are yellow roses that you gave me years before we got married. And I'm like, oh, cool. So we have dead plants in our house now, right? Um, we, we do weird things to remember stuff, right? And Corey goes, no, no, no. That was the first time you told me you loved me. I'm like, oh, man, what a good boyfriend I was, right? So, like, I remembered that, like, moment. I'm like, I remember that moment now, um, but I didn't before. She had kept those flowers to remember. Of course, when you get married, a lot of times you remember by, you know, putting a ring on or taking lots of pictures. Maybe you've got oodles of photo albums in your house um, that you use uh, on a regular basis to pull out for your kids. And they go, oh, when was mommy a princess? That happens in my house anyway. Um, and so we remember stuff in weird ways. Um, so we happened to see a moose in Vermont on our, um, on our, an or not our anniversary, on our honeymoon trip. And so Corey bought a, uh, a plaque plastic thingy hangs near the door and it says established 2000 which is the year we got married with a moose on it so every house we buy or move into has a moose on the front door to remember that we were i remember our honeymoon remember that we were established in 2000 and you guys may not have a moose um, on the front of your house you may not have dead flowers in your books like we do um, but my bet is if you look through your home you have some memory stones somewhere you've got uh, the ticket stub to your first date. You've got uh, an old trophy from a competition uh, that you won. You've got um, something in your house. Uh, you've got pictures, at least, I'm guessing, somewhere on, a, on an album or, or up on a wall somewhere. Um, or if you're like us, um, in Cincinnati, one of the things they did for the babies, we had little footprints from Zeke when Zeke was not six feet tall, um, uh, when he had feet that were about that big. Um, and we used to have his footprints up on the wall, right, to remember. They're memory stones. They're things that we, we put in our life and our families and our world to remember when something happened for us. And as I began to think about that this week, and as we're getting ready for our three-year celebration, I'm like, you know, why? Why do we do crazy things like keep flowers or or moose pictures or whatever it might be why do we keep those things and, and i think there's a truth in there that, that maybe we've not considered before and that's this that that celebrations and memories are actually god's ideals they're actually something that god deeply put within each and every one of us he's actually wired us to remember things he's actually put within us the capacity to bring up things that have happened in the past and put them in our lives and and be actually almost drawn back into that moment of the day like, I can remember with remarkable clarity um, my wedding day. I can remember that moment, um, and not just because we have pictures, but we can get drawn back into that moment of when something amazing happened in our lives. And um, Corey mentioned the, the stones earlier that the Israelites set up when they crossed the Jordan River. We're going to actually open up that story here in just a little bit in Joshua chapter 4. 
But as I look through the Old Testament, I mean, there was a lot of weird stuff that the Israelites did. Like they would get done with something and they'd build an altar and they just leave the altar there for everybody else to come look at it. Now, they didn't write a sign on it or put it there and, you know, like have like an explanation. Like we do that, like national parks, we have plaques. They just had, they just left the altar there. Oh, everybody will remember what God did here because the altar's there because they would tell the story. And they would put up stones or they would dig a grave and then once a year everybody would come back to that grave. They did all kinds of interesting things. And I was like, that's just Old Testament stuff. That's weird story. And then I began to like really think about it. And I went, you know what? If this is in, in our scriptures, in our Bibles, it must be there for me too. So what does this have for me in 2019? In 2019, why do the stories of standing stones and altars and graves and all the things that the Israelites would do to remember, like what does that have to do with you and me? And I think it, it's this truth that God has wired us for memories. He's wired us for celebrations. He's wired us to remember what he's done in our lives. He's actually knit it deep into our DNA to be able to go, that's what God did in that moment. And so what I want to do is unpack this story out of Joshua chapter 4 and like look at some truths that I think for all of us, there's, one of, there's three things I want to talk about today. And I think one of those three things is for you. I think every person in this room that's in both of our services this weekend, um, it's for you. There's something in there that, that God wants to like encourage you with. And so let me set the stage just a little bit. Where are we at in the, the arc of history for the Israelite people? So we're after um, they've been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. Um, they've crossed the Red Sea. They've gone to Mount Sinai. Moses has gotten the law. They've wandered around the desert for 40 years. Um, they've won a couple of battles. God's gone before them in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And they're, they're coming up on the east side of the Jordan River, and they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River. They're getting ready to go into the Promised Land. They're getting ready to conquer the territory of the giants, conquer the territory of Jericho and, um, I've, I've lost it, uh, Goliath. What's Goliath? He's a Philistine. The Philistines. Um, lost his name. Lost their names for a minute. See, there's all that stuff that I've been looking at this week. You know, they're getting ready to conquer the Philistines. They're getting ready to do all of these, these, these things, and we come to this story. A story out of Joshua chapter 4, and I'm going to read it to you guys. I, I want you to make sure that you're awake for this, okay? So here we go. Joshua chapter 4. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord talks to Joshua, which that's cool. And says, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. How many men is he going to choose? Okay. You guys with me? All right. We're making sure you're awake. All right. Uh, 12 men, one from each tribe. Take the 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. Doesn't this sound like an amazing thing? I'm sure like, you know, all of us would just, <laughs> all of us would love it um, if our spouse tonight would go in the backyard and dig up the 12 biggest stones they could find, put them on their shoulders and put all the rocks in the front, the front lawn and go, look what I did, honey, right? I mean, just like, it's an interesting idea. But they're big stones. They're not little stones. They're something they had to actually put on their shoulder and carry out. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen. How many men? You're getting, you're more awake now. Okay, 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each one of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes. Next. Um, we will use these stones to do what? To build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them they will remind us the 12 stones are to remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. This isn't something we're setting up for the weekend to remember. We're going to keep these stones out for a long time. Okay. 
So the men did as Joshua commanded them. They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, and that's the part I want to talk about here in just a second, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Why is this important? There were how many stones? Good, you guys are waking up. Okay, 12 stones. There are 12 tribes of Israel. There are 12 sons of Jacob. There are 12 unique people groups within the Israelite people at this time. Super important for us. Why? Because these are the people of God that are going to go into the promised land. Now, if you read the Old Testament at all, you're going to learn that all, all 12 of these guys are great people. This, what he's saying here is, okay, you guys like Joshua, right? Joshua seems like an amazing guy. His tribe, maybe we think his tribe's blessed. Or what about Joseph? He was a ruler in Egypt. Maybe his kids will be blessed. Or what about Judah? That's going to be the line of kings. Maybe his king's kids will be blessed. But he says, no, no, I want one for each tribe, and there are 12. So it doesn't matter which family you're from. That's who we're remembering today. We're remembering today every single family member. We're even remembering Simeon and Levi, who their claim to fame, their big story in the Old Testament was when a bunch of guys were healing from circumcision. They went through the camp and killed them all. That was Simeon and Levi's heritage. Or what about Dan and Naphtali or Gad and Asher? They were the sons of the concubines. They weren't even the sons of Leah or Rachel, Leah the first wife or Rachel the favorite wife. They were the sons of the concubines. Them too? Yes. And I think what's good for all of us here this weekend is this, and this will be a word for some of you, that you need to know this. You need to remember that God is with you no matter where you come from, no matter what your past is. He's with each person in the family. It doesn't matter your pedigree. It doesn't matter your parents. It doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter how you've screwed up, your family's screwed up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you come from or where you're going or what you think your destiny is right now in this moment. What matters is that God will go with each person in the family of God. Whether you've been here for all three years, every service, or you've been here for the last three minutes, it doesn't matter. God will go with you. I am with each person in my family. I am with each person in my family, no matter your pedigree, no matter your history, no matter where you've come from, no matter even the screw-ups of the life of your ancestors. It does not matter. I'm with you. I'm with every person in the family. And I think some of you need to hear that this weekend. You need to hear, well, I know God's with Corey. I mean, she's pretty awesome, but I don't know if he's with me. I know God's with those people who work in the preschool room every Sunday. I mean, he's got to be, but I'm not sure he's with me. He's got to be with the, with the youth group people. Man, those, they work with teenagers every week. Right? No, no, God is with every single person in the family. He's saying yes to you this morning. And you need to remember that. You need to remember that no matter where you've come from or where you think you're going or where your, your past has, has brought you or where your, even your family's history is, God is with you. But the story doesn't stop there. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan. Say another pile with me. Okay, good, you're awake. All right, so another pile of 12 stones in the middle of Jordan. At the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they're there to this day. I'm just going to read that part for a minute. So check this out. Go back to that, another pile. Check this out. Okay, we've got one giant pile of rocks on the side of the road. Let's go get another pile, and this one, we're going to put it right in the middle of the river. Say that again. We're going to make another pile of stones. We're just going to put it in the middle of the river. Anybody else feel like this is counterintuitive? <laughs> if we're going to remember something, 
We're going to throw this stuff in the middle of the river where the Ark of the Covenant has now stood. And when they go out on the other side, we're assuming the river is going to keep flowing. So we're not going to see them anymore. Here's why this is important for us. These 12 stones, the second pile set up in the middle of the river, right where the Ark of the Covenant stood. So right in the middle of the river, right where the Ark is, we're going to set up a number of the memorial. Now, what's the purpose of that? Well, if you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, watch the first Indiana Jones, and you'll get a picture of what it looks like, okay? Gold box, big angels on top of it. Now, for the people of God, for the Israelites in this moment, there are three things within the Ark of the Covenant. There's a staff, there's manna, that's the bread they got in the desert, and there is the broken tablets of the law. Three things in the Ark. You know, those three things are pretty amazing. We think, oh, the staff of God that was put into the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted. We think, oh, manna from heaven. God fed them every day. Oh, we think the, the law, the word of God written down. Oh, it's so amazing. But you know what? Those three things are in there, not just to remind them of God's victories, but to remind them of their mistakes. There are three things within the Ark of the Covenant, the manna, the staff, and the broken tablets. What's the staff? The staff doesn't just represent the crossing of the Red Sea, but it represents Moses' biggest mistake. Moses' biggest mistake was taking that staff and striking the rock and having water come out without talking to God about it, if you remember. And it was like the final act of anger that God's like, I'm not even letting you go into the promised land. Remember the manna? They were supposed to get up every morning, take just enough for breakfast, right? And then leave the rest of it. And yet they would time and time again grab it and like try and hoard it and it would turn out all maggoty and nasty because they didn't trust God. It was a symbol of you're supposed to trust me, but you never do. And you notice they didn't keep the nice second. If you don't know this, Moses went up on the mountain twice, got two tablets of stones. One he broke when they saw the golden calf and one they kept. They were super nice and like, you know, all together. It was the book was, you know, well balanced, so to speak. <laughs> They kept the ones that were broken. They kept the ones that when they made the golden calf and worshipped a different idol, the ones that Moses took and went, you guys suck, and threw them on the ground and they broke. Right? Those are the ones they kept. Those are the ones that they wanted to remember. They remembered Moses' failure, their lack of trust, the greatest failure maybe in the history of the Israelites in that they made a golden calf instead of waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain. He says, I want you to take all those mistakes and put them in the middle of the river. Take all those mistakes and set them up, these 12 stones in the middle of the river, put them there, right where my glory resides, where the Ark of the Covenant is. It says the glory of the Lord like stood between the cherubim. It rested there. And he said, we're going to leave the mistakes there from every tribe, and the glory is going to come up out of the river. And the water's going to come in and wash all the mistakes away. The water's going to come into the river and wash all the mistakes away. And this is what some of you need to remember this week. Is that God is with you in spite of your mistakes. God is with you in spite of where you've screwed up. Remember that God's not leaving you just because you got it wrong one time. Remember the Holy Spirit isn't going, oh gosh, I'm so frustrated with you, Adam. I'm just going to get over here. No, I'm going with you. Put your mistakes in the bottom of the river. Let me just cover those things up so you never have to look at them again. And I'm going to go with you. The story continues. Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? 
And you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on ground, dry ground, where the Lord your God dried up the river. He kept it dry, just as he did it at the Red Sea. He dried it up. He did this so that all the nations could know the Lord's hand. He did it. 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 Where are they getting ready to go? They're getting ready to go into the promised land. It's a land that they were so scared of that they wandered around for 40 years and didn't go in the first time because there's giants there, because there's fortified cities there, because they are slaves and have been slaves for hundreds of years. And this couple million people is going to go into this land and conquer it as slaves. They don't know how to fight battles. God says, remember this. You'll have victory if I go with you. Remember this. This will be successful when I go with you. Not because of anything you've done. Not because of any of your history. I'm going to go with you. And because of that, you will conquer the land. And so what's he saying? Take these 12 stones. Put them on the side of the river. Remember everything I have done. Forget about your past. Forget about your mistakes. Forget about your family. And just pay attention to what I've done. If you begin to pay attention to what I've done, this is going to be amazing. You're going to look at that and go, I know God can conquer things. God can part a sea. God can wipe out the most powerful nation on earth, the Egyptians, in a few days. God can go before me in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God can provide me manna and quail from heaven. God can, God can, God can, God can, God can, God can, God can. If you put this up, remember, look at those things and go, I'll be successful because God is going to be with me. And some of you need to hear that. You're like, man, I just wish I had some victory in life. You're stuck in a place of frustration and disappointment or disillusionment. You're stuck in a place where you don't see anything except for your current pain, and you can't see the victories of God. So I think it begs an important question for us this weekend, and that is, what are you remembering right now? What are you remembering right now? What's keeping your thoughts captive? If I gave you five minutes of quiet, what would sink into your head of what you've been remembering in the last week? Are you remembering your hurts? Are you remembering your pain? Are you remembering that ache in your back that won't go away? Are you remembering struggles at at work or struggles with your job? Are you remembering a disease that you have or somebody in your family has and it just won't go away? What are you remembering right now? Are you remembering the, the, the attacks of the enemy on your life or are you remembering that Holy Spirit wants to do amazing things through you and with you? Are you remembering that God's gonna go with you even if only you see your pain? He's still gonna go with you. Are you remembering that he loves you in spite of your mistakes? Are you loving, remembering that he loves you in spite of, of your pedigree? Are you remembering that he has victories planned for you and destiny planned for you? Are you remembering that? Because we're wired to remember stuff. We're wired to celebrate the victories of God. That's why God put memory such, as such a core part of who human beings are. Because he wants us to remember that if he goes with us, some amazing stuff's going to happen. And not to remember the hurts, the hang-ups, the mistakes, the brokenness that's in our life. But to remember what he can do and what he is doing. And so I want to encourage you with this. You're wired to remember church wins. You're rem- wired to remember church wins. Whether you've been here three times or 300 times. I mean, you've had probably 300 services yet, right? Um, whether you've been here three times or 100 times. You're wired to remember church wins because you're part of the family. You're part of God's family. 
You're part of what he wants to do on this earth. You're part of what he wants to do in this city. You're part of what he wants to do through this church. And so we need to celebrate what God's done. And here's the thing. If you've never seen victory in your life, just look at what God has done in this place and go, that's my family, and celebrate with them. It's good. I mean, we're going to do exactly what the Israelites were doing. When they set up those 12 stones, I'm sure there was a couple tribes that were going, man, that was it's all Judah. And God was like, no, 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 this is you guys, all of us together. We win. We win together. We win together. We, we, we have victory together with what God has done. So I want you guys to remember, and some of you are going, I don't remember that because I wasn't there. What it was like when we had one little small group? What was it like when we had one little group? There it is. And me taking the pictures. There it is. That, that was our church. There it was. Exciting, huh? We have more people volunteering in Keenan Kids right now than there are in that picture. <laughs> that was our church. Some of you need to remember how far we've come. But we just had one little group on Tuesday nights. And then we decided, let's do something crazy. Let's meet once a week, or excuse me, once a month. We met once a month on Sunday afternoons. At, we decided it was 2 o'clock first service. 2 o'clock. What a horrible time to have a church service. Two o'clock on Sunday afternoon. I don't know about you. I plan on napping at two o'clock on Sunday afternoon. That's just what we do. <laughs> you only want grandma and grandpa to come over to like three or four, right? You want to you go home and do nothing at two o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So we had church at two o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And we had maybe this many people. <laughs> sitting in those services and, and one little kids group because Corey and I had kids and Brad and Charlie had kids so we needed something for them to do for that hour. We, we had church on Sunday afternoons. And then just about two years ago, it'll be two years ago Easter, um, excuse me, three years ago Easter, we started uh, services at a different hotel. This was the first hotel. Then we moved on to a second hotel called the Park Regency and we started having services in the, in the hotel. And on the very first Sunday, the practice, the warm-up service, the excitement right before Easter, I think we had 70 people show up. That includes doubles, I think, between both services. <laughs> Not very many. A lot of us stayed for both services. And I think for about six months to a year, we averaged about six people in our 11 o'clock service. We were small. <laughs> I mean, and we started. And then about two years ago, Easter, um, we opened up this building, and we started having services here. We started having services here. And everybody who came in two minutes late to service had to walk through those doors, and you were felt super awkward because it was right in the middle of me or, or somebody standing up here preaching, and you're like, ah. and you had to go back there to where Charlie's sitting and check your kids in, and if your kids were misbehaving, it was awkward and horrible. And some of you are going, what was that like? And you didn't come because it was uncomfortable. And then we added a lobby on last winter, right? Oh, it makes it so much better. You had a place to eat your bagels right but it's good for us to remember how far god brings us in just in just a couple of years it's good for us to remember that you know we're not just impacting one little group of people but you know what um like i was looking at this this week when we when we started our services we had less than 100 people in our database that i sent my weekly email to like and that included the kids this week i sent an email to 800 people an email to 800 people that have visited us, that have come, that are part of our prayer team, that have, have said this is part of my home. I sent a, an email to 800 people this week to invite them to the service. 
It's amazing, right? I mean, God has done a huge amount of work in a couple of years. There may be between our two services today 150 people that worship here this weekend. It's good for you to know that on, on a week, week or excuse me, on a monthly basis, we impact about 200 unique people. It's good for you to know that it's not that little group anymore. It's good for you to know that God has brought us somewhere because sometimes, and this happened to us last week, it was daylight savings time. Some of you don't remember that, but it was daylight savings time last week. And attendance was a little down, and some of us were like, not me. I was super positive. No, I was not awake, um, right? But uh, some, uh, some, of you, some of you were like, oh, man, there was nobody here. I'm like, yes, there was. Do you remember? Do you remember when we had small group on Tuesday night with like six people and the pastor? Like, God has done a ton in three years. Well, what about this? Well, <laughs> Lydia was in here first service. Lydia was our token teenager three years ago. <laughs> we had a teenager. <laughs> then we started doing some events with them, started taking them to Star of Rock. We went to a youth retreat. Um, all of a sudden, we started having weekly youth group this past fall. Now we have weekly youth group every week. Uh, we hired Tyler to be our youth director. Like, so much has taken place, and that youth group is alive and active, and kids are learning about the Holy Spirit and learning how to live their lives of faith, and they have kingdom impact because God has grown it. God has grown it. We haven't done a thing. Or, or like I said earlier, maybe you remember when we had just a few kids back there in, in, in our youth ministry, our children's ministry. There they are. Mom, you don't look very excited in that picture. <laughs> um, hanging out with the teenagers on a Sunday after, or excuse me, the little kids on a Sunday afternoon. To now, you know, every weekend, there are dozens of kids back there. That's at the hotel. Dozens of kids back there. And we sneak in and take pictures of Scott, and he never sees us do it. It's so much fun. <laughs> Leading your kids. There are dozens of kids back there every weekend. Learning about Jesus, learning Bible stories, growing in the fullness of what they are, learning how to pray for people, being loved on by some amazing volunteers every weekend. I mean, it's just incredible. Oh, I love it. Whole team back there. Or just a small group. We had one group on Tuesday night. Now, every single semester, we have five or six groups meeting. They meet on Sunday nights, they meet on Tuesday nights, Wednesday night school, kingdom ministry, and, and youth. We've got Thursday night groups that meet not just here, but in El Paso. Like, we have groups all the time, and they're always new groups. And I had somebody talk to me last week, and they're like, well, I need a group in Clinton. Great, let's do a group in Clinton. Look at how God just continues to, 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 to show the momentum, and you're all a part of that. You're all a part of, of what God has done in, in a, just a couple of short years. Or remember when we had the crazy idea, Lauren, to... To like have food boxes. This is important. You want to see them? So that's that was the first year. That's all of them, and we didn't give them all away because we didn't have enough people to give them to. I, if you count, I think there are like ten. That was the first year of us doing Thanksgiving boxes. Then it grew a little bit. We moved hotels, so we had a few more. <laughs> moved hotels, had a few more. Did it again the next year, had a few more. And then last year, uh, the, a, a lot of you will remember this. Um, there were, what we decided, 101 boxes I think we gave away this year, um, last year. And, and we had like <laughs> we had more people volunteering for that than anything we've ever done before. Like God is in increasing his, in <laughs> there it is, um, there it is. Um, like that, God just keeps increasing our outreach to the community. Our movie nights, our, our, our uh Excuse me, uh, we've done hops off and on where we go and pray for people on the streets. 
Um, we've done uh, egg chases the last couple years. And, and some of you may even be here because of one of those events. I've got hands back there. <laughs> Why? Because God just kept building this thing. And it's good for us to put up a memory stone and go, look what God's done. Some of you are going to be like, man, I've been giving to this ministry faithfully for, for a few weeks, or some of you have been doing it for a few years now. I, I looked it up. Again, I, I love looking stuff up because it's always good to remember where we've been. Our first month, our total offering for the entire month was $3,400 for the entire month. Now we average somewhere between fourteen dollars and $16,000 come in every month to support the ministry of this church. It's huge growth. It's amazing what God has done in just a few short weeks. I'm going to trip over that. A few short years. What about this? Because this is my favorite one, life change. What about life change? What about some of you in this room have said yes to Jesus in a fresh, new, and different way, and your life has been changed. Your life has been turned upside down because you came and got prayer in your small group or at the end of the service when we have prayer teams up here, and you've been healed of back pain, of headaches, of, of something else going on in your life. You've been emotionally set free of something that's bound you up for years. You, you, you let go of past hurts and past mistakes. You've put everything underneath that river, and when you got prayer, you were free like you've never been free before because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Your life has been changed because of the ministry of this church. And some of you have been crazy enough to stand up and say it in publicly in front of everybody and go, oh my gosh, my life is so changed, I want to show the entire world of it. And we have baptized now 29 people in three years. 29 people in three years. Yeah, celebrate that. That's awesome. We've celebrated 29 baptisms in three years in, in multiple different locations, from a, a swimming pool to a small tub in, that was very cold um, to a larger tub that's maybe a slightly warmer. Um, and we, we've done these baptisms every year. As you guys have stood up and said it, we have baptisms again Mother's Day weekend. I, I, I know it's a commercial, but doggone it, somebody in here might want to get baptized, right? Uh, Mother's Day this year, we're doing baptisms again. It's one of our favorite days to celebrate. If you want to get baptized, see Corey or myself or one of the other leaders, um, we would love to to talk to you about baptism this this year but it's good for us to remember where we've been it's good for us to remember what god has done it's good to remember the lives that have been changed and it might be your own he's wired us to celebrate he's wired us to remember what he's done and i want to end with a story this weekend i want to end with a story because for some of you stats may do it for others of you you're like me and you need stories I want to let you know that, that all of this happens one life, one family at a time. All of this happens one life and one family at a time. And one of the, the things we've enjoyed doing every anniversary the last couple of years is celebrating how God has taken one family's life and, and just changed it so drastically that it looks different. I was talking to somebody after first service. They're going, remember last year we shared your story? And I'm like, yes, and it's grown since then. Like they were somebody that was struggling with infertility, and now they're having their second child, <laughs> you know, um, because something amazing has taken place in their life. Anyway, um, before we launched the church, uh, Brad and Charlie Heller, our family life directors, um, were going to move up here so Brad could work on his Ph.D. And they felt like they had found the house. Um, and I will let, you need to talk to them about the story of the struggle they had buying the house. Yeah, they're sitting back there against the wall. But you need to talk to them about the struggle uh, of what it was like to, to buy their house. But, but it was like God wanted them in their neighborhood of Pepper Ridge. Uh, he wanted them in their neighborhood, and I'm going to share the story of, of why here in a second, but it was hard for them to get there. <laughs> um, there was pushback. He wanted victory for, at least for this couple, if not for many more. This is Robert and Beth Down's story. This is what they say. We always had our faith, but we didn't have a church home. We visited, but never really felt like we were truly welcome in any place we'd visited before. 
The hellers had been poking us, prodding us, pulling us, drag, no, it says urging, um, urging us to come to church. I just teased them because I know that they were persistent and they said the same thing. Um, the hellers had been urging us to come to the vineyard. We had some life things happen, and one week, Beth found herself compelled to try a service. I'm going to try one out. It was baptism weekend, and we knew nothing about how emotional baptism weekends could be, so we wanted to come to the 915 service, and we're going to skip to 11 when they're doing the, the 915. But things got crazy. Um, they have kids. My bet is it might have been Matt who made them to the later service. So as we came to service, and Beth cried. She says she cried the entire service. Adam got up and said, someone in this room wants to be baptized, and I can feel it. And even gave answers to the excuses people give not to be baptized on that day. Robert said he was nudging and, and practically waiting for Beth to run up and jump in there. But she said, I'm not ready. I can't do this. No one knows me here. I've never felt this way. Why do I want to run up and be baptized in front of a church I've never been to, in front of a bunch of people that do I don't know? But after the service, she says, I felt different. I felt like God had entered our lives in a whole new way just by watching one service. I, I love that idea, watching one service to listen to the change. So we started attending. The first full series that we went to was a series called Rooted. It was based on relationships. It transformed a lot of things in our lives for the better. The series raised some issues from Beth's past, and Robert found himself surrounding some hard stuff in relation to his finances that Beth actually knew nothing about. But he felt pushed to talk to her, which in turn changed our relationship, it, they say, between Beth and Robert in so many ways. And it's now starting to change our lives. Each week of Rooted started to transform things. And then it says they did this. I love this part. As we talked more and more, we decided that we were going to discuss after each service what was talked about. I think that was key for them. We Then we started making plans for things going on with our finances. We started praying about our finances. And then we had a debt breakthrough. And Beth says, I went to Barnes & Noble and randomly picked up a book. And it was entitled The Power of Praying Wise. And said, that sounded interesting. So I opened it up, and there was a little bookmark in it. And I opened up the bookmark, and the title of the chapter was His Finances. And Beth started tearing up. She said, I hear you, God, loud and clear. We're struggling, and we know, excuse me, we are struggling, and we know it, but we haven't talked to you about it yet, God. This was the breakthrough for us. We knew we had to keep going and just keep praying, and that made all the difference for us. Normally, we try and do it on our own, but why did we have to do it on our own? So one week, we decided to jump into a small group. And as we jumped into a small group, we decided that was the best decision because it allowed us to get some stuff out that had been going on in our lives and discuss further the stuff happening in Sunday services. Then in one, one week in small group, they decided they were going to talk about baptism. Beth started feeling a nudge from God that I need to make this decision, she said. I love the idea of being reborn into a new life. I love making a promise that I'll continue to love God for all of my days and turn to him in all things. She felt an instant peace when Sunday, October 28, 2018, a couple of months ago, came. She was baptized. She was reborn. There was a whole new life that wasn't there before. It's hard to explain, but God didn't feel present every day before. He was missing. In the past, we prayed to God when we needed something or needed prayer for something. But now, it was learning to have God in my life all of my days, not just on the hard ones. So, then we felt God starting urging us to volunteer. And so we began to volunteer, different programs, different activities. And one of the most powerful ways was joining the Thanksgiving boxes. Very cool. And then I love this closing paragraph. I'm going to read this one word for word. It's the closing paragraph. We both feel that the Vineyard Church now is truly home. Our marriage has gotten stronger. The way we parent's even changed. Our boys started coming to the Kingdom Kids programming, and they love it too. They're always excited, and they always want to go on Sunday morning. We feel stronger in general. It's actually changed our outlook on life. 
We feel as strong as we have ever been in everything. It's truly inspiring how life can change once you make God the center of everything. Isn't that an amazing story? That's, hey, yeah, absolutely. Celebrate it. That's your story. That's your story. If you're part of this family, if you've come once, you've come a hundred times, it's part of your story. It's part of the victory that you have as a part of the Vineyard Church. It's part of the victory that you have that somebody can move into a neighborhood, care about the people around them, invite them to church, and then their life gets turned upside down. You get to celebrate that. You're a part of that. That's part of your history. That's one of your standing stones to remember that God's with everyone. To remember that God doesn't care about your past, your mistakes, your family history. To remember that God, if he goes with you, will help you be victorious and successful in everything you put your hands to. And so this weekend, I think for for most of us, this is what we need. We need to literally put a standing stone up in our minds. We we need to put up a stone in our minds and go, I'm going to hold on to that thing. I'm not going to hold on to my distractions, my brokenness, my hurts, my pain, my missteps, my family. I'm not going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold on to the victories of what God has done. Maybe it's how far you've seen the church come in three years, and maybe you've never seen that until today. And you're going to go, wow, look at what God's doing in my church. My church is awesome. Maybe it's going, look what God did in Beth and Robert's story. Man, that's amazing. I'm going to celebrate that story, and you need to remember that story. Maybe you need to go out and take a picture with that crazy-looking tower thing that we put out there with all the pictures and go, wow, look at all that God has done in such a short amount of time. Or maybe you just need to start every day waking up and going, I'm going to remember the good things. I'm going to remember the victories. I'm going to remember how God has broken in. I'm going to remember them. Why? So that when you go into battle against your giants, against your Jerichos, that you can look on those stones and know that victory is coming. Would you stand with me this weekend? I want to close this out with a word of prayer. We're going to sing one more song of worship. I want to pray over you, the memories this weekend. Jesus, you're amazing. Holy Spirit, you are powerful and awesome. And Holy Spirit, we believe with everything within us, God, that you go before us, that you go with us. God, that you've buried all of our mistakes, all our hurts, all our pains, all our missteps, all our history. You've buried it in the river and you've washed over it and you said, new life. And so Jesus, we, we come to you in fullness of faith and say, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done in this church. Thank you for everything you've done in the families and the lives of the people of this church. Thank you for everything that you're going to do. We thank you in advance, God, for what you will do in 2019. We thank you in advance, God, for the victories that you're going to bring to the men and women in this room, to the kids in this building, to the teenagers that are part of our youth group. We thank you in advance for for the the way you're going to, to impact our city and impact our neighborhoods and impact our coworkers and impact our classmates. We thank you in advance for the victories that you're going to have. And I thank you, God, that we get to go with you. God, we put a standing stone right now in our mind. We picture it in our mind and we say, I'm going to remember what you've done. I'm going to remember what you've done and I'm going to go where you want to go, God. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Let's worship and then we'll pray for each other.